0: This is John McEntee from Incantation. You're listening to Misery Point Radio. Bleh.
1: Breathers, thanks for blessing me with your presence once again on Misery Point Radio. Glad I can count on you to artificially boost my self-esteem just enough for me to keep pushing buttons and flapping my face hole. It's because of you, my imaginary friends, that I continue to sit in my little corner of the wasteland and somehow brainwash these badass guests into coming on the show and sharing their awesomeness. And let me tell you, the badassery just never stops. And today, you are in for an extra special OG dose of Misery Point Radio. I know, you're welcome. Today's guest has been polluting our ear holes with his original style of death metal for over 30 years. As the founding member of OG death metal band Incantation, he is often credited with helping to create the New York death metal scene back in the late 80s and early 90s, and three decades later is still cited as an influence on countless numbers of aspiring metal musicians. I'm talking about none other than Mr. John McEnkey. John and I shot the shit about a whole ton of stuff why he moved away from New York, what he's been doing during quarantine, the status of the new Incantation album, and a ton of awesome Incantation history, including the absolutely crazy story of how one bad day out on tour ultimately led to some pretty big changes for the band, including John taking over vocal duties. And if that wasn't enough, he shared his experience playing on everyone's favorite dream gig, 70,000 tons of metal, and how he views interacting with his fan base super cool there's a ton of awesome stories and history in here told by one of the true godfathers of the scene john is such a laid back and super cool dude so easy to talk to which is why we ran a little long on this one but you can consider it a bonus no extra charge once again you're welcome so pull that tactical flashlight out of your ass put down that bleach loaded syringe and prepare for o.g. awesomeness here we go Hey, John, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate you being here.
0: Cool. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate um, you having me on, for sure. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah.
1: So uh, what's going on over in your neck of the woods? Are you in North Carolina now?
0: Yeah. I just moved to Greensboro about, I guess it's almost a year ago now. Um, a little less than a year ago, but yeah, I guess it was summertime, so less than a year. Eight months ago or something, but I love it down here. It's uh, It's just a lot nicer than up in the north you know i mean the winter here was totally awesome compared (laughs) to what i'm used to you know i mean i I had a fun time living i mean it was nice to live in johnstown pennsylvania for a while but it just uh, it's nice to not have the morning snows and stuff like that and you know i mean we get i mean i know i heard the the winter was pretty mild up there too, but still, um, still got a couple snowstorms. So I'm happy to stay away from that. I just like the uh, the weather and the vibe down here is cool. I'm, it's, you know, I'm I'm down with it.
1: What uh, what brought you away from New York originally to into the Pennsylvania area?
0: Uh, well, it was just uh, a situation where I just had a kind of a new beginning in life, and I decided that I would, um, you know, go somewhere where I wanted to be instead of a place where I just was because I was. I mean, I travel the U.S. so much that I know that I wanted to be more down south, and I didn't really know how far to go. I didn't want to go too, too far away from northeast necessarily, and North Carolina seems like a good um, good option, you know? it's not, it's not It's nicer than being up north, um, you know, as far as weather and stuff like that goes. And, but it's still, uh, you know, Greensboro is still a decent city and stuff. It's, a, it's not a huge city, but it's, you know, it's decent. And um, yeah, I, it just seemed like the, the right thing to do. I mean, I was, you know, contemplating going to someplace like Texas or something like that, but just a little bit too far away from, um, you know, everybody, you know like in the band and stuff like that, you know, I mean, I have friends there and stuff, but I just, um, this, this is still like within reason to still get up to Columbus where we practice and stuff sometimes, you know?
1: Oh, okay. And let's be honest that North Carolina metal scene is fucking raging. It's just awesome.
0: Well, yeah, it's really cool because, um, it's North Carolina's kind of been up and down throughout the years. You know, sometimes it would. it was, from touring, it was just not kind of a dead zone for a little while, you know, but in the last couple of years, it's really been picking up a lot. I mean, I mean, it's always had great bands, but it just, now it just seems like it's kind of probably in its prime. I mean, before all this, um, you know, coronavirus stuff happened, I mean, there was a good amount of shows going on. Um, you know, either Charlotte, uh, Raleigh or Greensboro or Asheville, you know, it's just, um, You know, it's actually a pretty good place for metal these days, you know, which I think is great. You know, it's great that it's a good scene because, like I said, in the past, we've had mixed, um, mixed opinions on North Carolina as far as metal scene. We always thought it was nice, but the metal scene was always a little bit um, to be desired sometimes. I mean, I'm talking like um, 20 years ago or something like that. You know, it was it was a rougher scene over here. But we've also had good shows here uh, in North Carolina too. In the past, it was just like it was kind of like hit or miss. Like it would either be like a really killer show or it would just be a terrible show or something. But now all the shows you know have been good. I mean, um, everyone I've been to has been a lot of people, and it was cool because a lot of people I know too, just from touring and just I, I've had friends in North Carolina too. There's a a band, like a crossover band, old band called Slug Nut that our drummer used to be um, friends with he used to live well he lived in uh, Myrtle Beach for a while and I guess the guys from slugnut um, were either over there or somehow they got connected or something so I you know see know those guys from the old scene and then there's still you know a bunch of um, you know people I've met over the years and stuff it's kind of cool because they don't expect me to be living over here in North Carolina so I just go to a show like I normally do and people come up to me and like what are you doing here? You know? <laughs> <laughs> like what? I can't be here. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. I just, I just happened to pick, and you know, I decided to go to a show in Raleigh just for shits and giggles, you know? Yeah. I,
1: <laughs> That's awesome. You know, I was supposed to be up that way. Cause that, you know, that, uh, violence show, uh, yeah. that sadly got postponed with, uh, with outlier, um, all booked, ready to go, hotel everything, boom, no mas, so yeah, super yeah. bummer. I was looking to get up that way for the first time, but you know we'll 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 make it happen again, so um, I guess the real question is now that you've been in the three places kind of along that coast, who's got the better food?
0: Uh, um, well, I mean, I like, like the food over here really, really a lot. I mean, I found some really. Cool places to eat around here, but I mean, um, I mean, I grew up, I grew up in New York, you know, and New York has some good food too. Everything in New York, yeah. I mean, anything you could find and it's good. It's just that you know you're surrounded by you know what 10 million people or more you know so it's like it makes it not as fun you know it's nice (laughs) to be able to go out somewhere and not have it be packed to the gills and not not take you like two hours to get to the place you want to go to and stuff yeah
1: well seattle's not too different than that it's pretty aside from the current time frame where everything's kind of a ghost town you know if you could walk out to a restaurant on a friday or a saturday right downtown good luck even getting a seat and i hope you like eating on your feet because that's probably what you're going to end up doing
0: yeah, but I, I I mean, it's one of those things where I'm always, you know, New York, New Jersey is always going to have a special place in my heart. Cause that's where I grew up and stuff. But, um, you know, I, the older I get, the more I like being in a place where it's more chilly, you know, because I mean, I tour so much that it's like, you know, I, I'm i in big cities all over the world, you know, yeah. throughout the year. So it's like when I get home, I want to just have it be an oasis and just you know, have fun and just not have to, you know, deal with lots of people and traffic and stuff like that, you know, cause I mean, I'm not necessarily a total people person. I mean, you know, metal <laughs> people, it's fine, you know, but when it comes to like normal people and like normal yeah. people stuff, I'm kind of like, you know, just, I just don't relate because my, my life you know, revolves around music and touring and stuff like that. And most normal people, they just, They just don't get it you know they just they think that you know just because you're touring you're some kind of like huge rock star or something like that you know and it gets really awkward you know
1: for sure yeah (laughs) well you know with all that craziness going on right now that we were talking about um how many shows did you guys have to cancel did you have stuff i'm sure you had stuff in the hopper
0: yeah we had some stuff booked. we didn't have a lot of stuff booked, luckily but we did have um It was uh, Oblivion Fest in uh, Austin, Texas. It was a really cool show. Um, It was uh, us and Autopsy, and um, I think a band called was it Creeping Death or something, some uh, Metallica names uh, band I never heard of. But um, it was like part of a fest that they have over there with like multiple clubs and stuff like that. And uh, that that one was supposed to be in the beginning of June and that got canceled and we were actually going to book a small run around it. We were looking at getting like, um, you know, some stuff from North Carolina out that way and back, but, you know, make, make it just a little, little, um, mini tour or something, but, you know, we had to scrap that whole idea. Um, and then, um, we had some fest, a couple festivals in Europe. It never a hundred percent, solidified the european thing because we kind of knew that there was a good chance things were going to get screwed up you know so it was like as it was getting closer to getting you know fully booked it you know our booking agent kind of said like well you got to wait and see what's going on and then they canceled all the stuff like in germany for until august and you know we had a couple fests and a couple of german fests we had we were doing um Crap. I don't remember which ones we were doing. Oh, we were doing uh, obscene extreme, which is in Czech Republic. I think that one got canceled too. I mean, they, they all, they're all getting canceled. So we had to basically cancel our, um, you know, summer fest run that was going to be in July, which, you know, it, it's a bummer. I always have fun doing that stuff, but, um, you know, it, it's you do what you got to do. You know, these, it's crazy times. So, you know, it's better to be safe. And, um, We do have a a fest in um, Quebec coming up, um, the Quebec Death Fest in in, um, September. It's not canceled yet, so I'm hoping that it still happens. But uh, the way things are looking, it's looking like it probably won't. But I I didn't get any word from the Metal Fest guys to say if it was canceled or not.
1: Yeah, you know, it's tricky, too, because there's that fine line between canceling a show outright and hoping you can just postpone it. But at some point yeah. when everything is postponed, it's all got to get scheduled again within that same time frame. You know, everybody's scrambling to reschedule. That's just going well, to make it super tough on all the venues for sure. Well, that,
0: that's well, well, I, a lot of times, a lot of them have been postponing it just to the next year around the same time because everybody's schedule, it's hard to get all those bands in the proper schedule to make it happen. You know, there's usually, you, you know, there's a lot of logistics in it. So if, it, if things get canceled or postponed, it's going to be probably the same time next year. So next year is going to be like kind of strange because it's going to be a bunch of fest with the one that they're supposed to have the year before. <laughs> and what do you do about the bands that want to play this year? You know, you can't like double up. Every yeah. Fest. <laughs> yeah. Double,
1: have a double festival or something. I don't know. You know, make it a weekend. Who knows? Yeah.
0: Kind of, kind of, um, you know, it's, it's It's gonna be a little bit interesting once things kind of get back on you know track with uh, shows and festivals and um you know big events. So let's see what happens. I don't know yeah. i was, I'm not really worrying about it too much. I'm just you know once it ha- once things get back on track then we'll just figure out what the game plan is, you know yeah,
1: for sure. What have you been doing with your time then? I mean, are you sitting around watching like Tiger King and Ozark or uh, just watching oh, your beard grow?
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, this is like the first forced break I've had in, I don't remember how long. I mean, quite a long time. I mean, since um, since we put out... Um, probably our vanquish vengeance album which was 2012. Yeah. I've only had minimal amount of time to, um between then and now to like actually be forced to do nothing, you know, re- you know, strictly band related like touring or just organizing stuff or whatever. So this is the first real break I've had so it's actually been kind of cool cuz I've had time to reflect a little bit um you know just going through um, you know, going through, I have like a huge box of old flyers and just assorted like show and band memorably. And I was able to kind of organize that stuff a little bit, you know, and just kind of, kind of interesting because I was able to reflect on like how much shit I've done over the years. Cause you don't think <laughs> about it because you just like do it. Cause it just, I just play music and I, we tour and we play shows and we just, you know, it's kind of like it just keeps going. I never get a real time to sit back and be like, oh, wow, I did some really cool stuff, you yeah. know? And it's, just to think of the, the quantity of shows that uh, we played, I, I don't even have an idea. And um, besides that, I've also been uh, writing because when I have downtime, it's not like I, I plan on writing, but just when I have time, you know, to focus on it, it just – think it just comes out or whatever like anybody that is a is a music writer you know knows that sometimes the ideas just come whenever but it it, they come they materialize more now because I don't have the touring stuff on my mind other stuff on my mind so it's actually the the clearer my mind is it seems like the more um music stuff um to have been writing a bunch of incant songs we have actually we recorded our incantation our newest one um end of last year but between um a couple tours uh, we finished it pretty much before the uh, morbid angel tour we did with uh watain and it was supposed to come out actually probably supposed to come out now but it got everything got screwed up with the virus stuff so that we have one that's waiting to come out. We already have a good chunk of another one written that we still need to jam as a band when we get together. But, um, you know, I, I have a lot of stuff written. All, all the guys have a lot of stuff written already for the next one. So we're kind of ahead uh, of the game. Plus we've been just trying to compile. Um, we have, we have a bunch of live recordings that we did over the years that we're trying to kind of mess around and compile. And I also have like a, a side project with, um, um, uh, Paul Speckman from Master and uh, Eduardo from Nervous Chaos um, that we've been working on and off since about 2000. Is that
1: a beast revelation?
0: No, this is a different one. This is one that I've been doing since 2012, but we just never got it done. And we we never came up with a name for it because we wanted to wait until like we recorded it and had lyrics. We don't have any lyrics to the song so we don't know what to call it and <laughs> make sense out of it. You right. Know? <laughs> so we've had this we had this side thing going on forever and finally now i have time to finish it up um we recorded the the music for about a year year or two ago i can't remember but um i just need to do some touch-ups i never i just got sidetracked with touring i just couldn't like focus on it now i have a chance to focus on it and do it but yeah uh well what was it now the other side stuff that I had was that what the was the one was the tribes of Pazuzu, which uh, was a a band that I play guitar in. Um, it was a, it, basically it's a Canadian band. It has um, um, Nick used play with Soulstorm and um, it's a drummer. What's a drummer from Cryptopsy? Flow from Cryptopsy. It was a project. It it was something where I didn't really I didn't write any music really. I don't think I did, at least if I did, I don't remember, but I I think it was just, I just played guitar because they needed a guitar player for it. And then, then at the same time, yeah, I did the vocals for that Beast of Revelation um, album, which I did that probably about a year and a half ago or something. Those, the vocals to that, it came out really good. I, once I heard the final mix, I'm really both. Both the releases, the Tribes of Pazuzu came out really good, and the Beast of Revelation. And what I liked is that they're both totally different. One is more of a um, kind of a death metal band, uh, yeah, kind of kind of old school death metal, different from Incan though. More of a more of that tighter Vader type sound. And the Beast uh, release, that one is you know more death doom, very so,
1: doomy, yeah,
0: yeah. For me, it's it's fun if I'm gonna do different projects, I want to have a kind of a different vibe to it i don't want to just do um you know another band that sounds like incantation plus there's, i mean there's too many incantation bands out there now that sound like us so why do i need to do another one on top of the one i already have i believe the <laughs> i believe
1: the word that has been thrown around is inclontation
0: <laughs> yeah probably I, I i i haven't heard that one but that makes sense i mean there's a, there's a lot of bands in I and mean, it's flattering though it's not yeah i mean you, you got to look at it like You know, we started the style, um, you know, what, over 30 years ago 30 years ago, yeah. And the fact that um, it's inspired other bands, you know, that's the biggest form of flattery that any songwriter can get is when people, you know, take that, take what you do and use it as an influence to what they do and, and, you know, create their own band around some of the um, influences. Kind of, we never thought can would ever be an influential band, you know, it wasn't really, uh, uh, it wasn't even a thought, you know, we were just wanting to be as much assholes as possible, be as heavy <laughs> as possible, make it as, a, you know, heavy, brutal, evil, you know, all this the stuff when you're really young, and you just wanted to like, just tell everybody to fuck off. And right. even, even the other death metal bands, we wanted to be something uh, a step deeper, like, you know, there were a lot of great death metal bands of, of the early 90s late 80s but we wanted to be like even deeper as far as like darker and evil and brutaler and um i mean we kind of accomplished it and it's and like i said it's nice i mean it took about 15 years about until bands started finally trying to understand or having the will to want to understand what we were doing but now it's um it's pretty crazy because. I see like metal fests and stuff or death fests and stuff with all bands that sound kind of like us in one way or another, which is flattering as hell, you know, and a lot of young kids are really into, it, which is really cool. I mean, who would have thought that, um, you know, 30 years into our, our career, we would have young kids mimicking our sound. You know, you would have thought it would be way past our, our prime as a band, but instead it's like, you know, It's like now it's like maybe we're just so ahead of our time back then. I know it sounds kind of egotistical to say that, but maybe we were ahead of our time and even realize it, you know, didn't think about it. We are just doing what we do. (laughs) Yeah, those those
1: early days, I mean, the influences that you had were were definitely going to be different because, you know, death metal didn't really become a thing officially, you know, until the kind of mid to to late 80s. So, you know, by the time Onward came out, there wasn't really a whole ton of stuff already on the market. I mean, it was there. But it wasn't like it is now, where you get radio play and there's shows yeah. and podcasts yeah. and YouTube and everything kind of dedicated to it. Hell, just to yeah. see, just to hear a death metal song on the radio was yeah. was astronomical. I mean, there I was, remember when when Morbid Angel got signed to Giant Records and people were losing their shit because it was like, oh my god, they're on a major label. You know, it was unheard of. It was just, it was, yeah, it was super, just just crazy. And and now it's it's a whole different scene. But I do think that you know as people especially if they're musicians go back and they want to try to look at different stuff they go back and they look at what started the scene and you know each coast kind of got known for certain things i mean we had the west coast stuff you know and then the east coast you guys are kind of like if there was like a big four we'll say of of you know new york death metal at the time i mean it'd be like you guys of course immolation you know cannibal suffocation maybe mortician if you want to throw them in there malevolent kind of thrown around in there somewhere but you know and then down in florida even they had the Tampa scene you know so that whole area but that was the time I mean that was kind of the we'll call it the spawning point of that you know late 80s early 90s was I still look at that stuff I mean I still listen to to that kind yeah. of stuff and it's hard to I love the new stuff I, I love a lot of bands that I've been introduced to recently but when I go back and I plug in an album the first thing I want to do is go back and just pull out something old and go oh yeah nostalgia hits me in the face and I want to listen to yeah. you know old well, I stuff
0: think, uh, I the, the, the thing that's different about the recordings and stuff back then is that there wasn't the template that we have now. Like, n- nobody knew really how death metal was supposed to sound on recording. So, you know, I mean, there were a lot of bands that, you know, did either the um, Mars Sound or Sunlight Studios or something like that. But, you know, there were also a lot of bands that were trying to, you know, didn't, didn't want that same sound that say Morbid Angel Obituary had I mean they're they're great bands but you know we didn't want to be them they they were already do- doing that you know bands like say Us and Emilation, we wanted to have a, a more of a, uh, a darker atmosphere type sound and we were actually a little concerned to go to something like um, you know Mars Sound where they might over clean everything up because for us like you know having that rough edges on it was kind of part of the whole picture you know yeah the
1: the rawness of it was really what endeared people to your stuff and i believe that they they coined a phrase cavernous right you you get that thrown out a lot you're a cavernous band and i'm sure you're like i don't know what the fuck that means but cool i'll I'll be a cavernous band yeah a lot of
0: (laughs) yeah it was kind of funny because yeah a lot of people they like people consider like the first Cavernous album as our second album, The Mortal Throne Nazarene. And it was just kind of funny because, yeah, it does sound kind of cavernous, but, it, you know, it just, it was just the way it came out. Like, we didn't really even, I mean, we tried to make it as sick and dark and twisted as possible, but, you know, the production and stuff like that, I mean, we just, it just coincidentally came out. I mean, there were, I mean, I, For all of us, we didn't really understand enough about production and stuff like that on our stuff. You know, we just knew if we heard it and it sounded sick and heavy as fuck, you know, it wasn't like we were, I wasn't going there like, because I knew that I didn't want, you know, like the super tight thrash type sound because we weren't thrash. We were, you know, death metal band. We wanted that rougher, rougher vibe, but it's, um.
1: Otherwise you just stayed with Revenant.
0: Yeah, I could have stayed at Revenant. It would, it would I mean Revenant was a great band. It just wasn't my thing, you know, so anymore. I wanted to I wanted to do the rough edge. Yeah. So I I did, I yeah, I had the chance to do that um technical thrashing. And it was great while I while I was into it, you know. But it's like, you know, once I started hearing the um, you know, the more darker stuff at that time, like I don't know. I really started getting into like the early necrophagia demos and stuff, and just like um, sarcophago, and and the, just a bunch of uh, really rough bands like um, necrovor, you know, real underground stuff. Real underground and I,
1: stuff, yeah. And I like,
0: but I like that feeling that that stuff had to it. You know, I love, I like the raw edge. And actually, a big turning point in my life was in, in '88. Uh, Revenant and um, Immolation we played with Morbid Angel in, at Streets in New York and um, you know, we thought both us and Immolation thought we were pretty good and pretty heavy, you know, and then after opening up for Morbid Angel watching Morbid Angel pe- play and they just were at a whole nother level of like you know, I mean the quality of it was just amazing, it was so much so brutal, so evil so dark i mean it was also really tight it was just a, I just remember seeing that and being like fuck
1: <laughs> you know
0: <laughs> fuck it's like you just you just know what you're doing needs to be um you need to step up you know we need to step up our own game or whatever pretty much you know and it, you know at that point is when i actually was trying to push her to go more what i would consider what now to be the incan sound or whatever but they just weren't having it they they were actually looking at things from the the opposite angle and they were looking at bands maybe like um you know uh death or maybe um atheist a little more technical yeah, stuff technical. you know they wanted to go more in that in that direction you know and um that's when I knew it's like uh you know it's like yeah, I could stay in this band and they were going to put out an album on Nuclear Blast Records, but I was like, man, do I really want to do an album that I'm not, can't stand behind 100%, you know, because I just knew that if I was we're going to do it, It was just, I was just going to be arguing with them, not because I'm mad at them or hate them, but I would argue because I had a different opinion on the way things should be, and instead of causing a problem and maybe ruining um, the Revenant album, I, you know, was like, screw it, I'll just do my own thing, and um you know if it fails or whatever okay it fails but at least i failed doing my own um thing instead of trying to just stay with the band because they're going to release an album nuclear blast and back then it was a really big deal to get signed it's not like now now anybody can get signed to something but back then there was like you know 3 4 labels and maybe two of them might even might even give you a possible chance and the rest of them are like not even a chance at all to get signed to so you know to kind of deny um doing the revenant album with those guys was um you know people thought i was retarded like all my friends couldn't understand why i just didn't do the album and leave but it was like you don't get it. It's like, there's an integrity aspect to it. You know, it's not, it's like yeah. playing music. It's not just, um, it's not just cool. I did an album and now I'm cool because I did an album. It's like, no, I want to stand behind it. And if I can't, if I have to do an album, and I can't stand behind it. It's like, screw it. You know, It's like, I mean, even back, I mean, back then, you know, yeah, I, I, I just had a, uh, you know, I just wanted to keep my integrity. And, and, you know, once we did, in Canada, it was like okay. We did we did the album. We didn't know if anybody would like it, but we're like fuck it. This is what we like. You know, we feel it's a, a killer album, and you know, fuck the world if they don't like it. And they ended up liking it. I mean, it ended up doing really good for us. But you know, it was a surprise. It wasn't like we were like okay, we're gonna write these songs. Everyone's gonna like us, and we're gonna be some big band. It's not about that. It's all about the feeling. It's all about uh, being sincere to yourself and it's to the to this day a reason why I continue to do incantations because it's my outlet for what I want to do if I ever decide I don't want to play death metal or don't want to play in style of incantation I won't do it but I'm not going to stop um doing it for any reason except for I just don't feel it you know I'm, it's, it's like I want people when they listen to our music they they're getting an honest uh piece of all of us performing on the album and not getting um, something that I don't know what you want to say made for their liking, you know, like, it's like if people like our stuff, it's kind of like they're part, like they're on our team, you know, like, ah, cool. You like, you know, you believe in the same stuff we believe in musically. It's not like we're trying to, um,
1: You're writing it for (laughs) you. And if they want to hop on board, then that's just a fucking bonus.
0: Yeah. It's been like that the whole, the whole time. And there's been times when, you know, people didn't want to hop on board because there were other trends. I mean, there were always some people we've always had had some fans, but you know, there's been times in in our career that been pretty low and it's crazy because I, I really like like, um, in about 2001, I think we did, um, the blasphemy album. That's one of my, my personal favorites. It's one of my personal favorite albums that we ever did. And, um, it came out the time when a bunch of like Halloween cover bands started coming all out on a nuclear blast, or like symphonic black metal like bands like Demi Borger and stuff with the really big uh, orchestra type stuff. You know that stuff was really popular, and we decided to do our most stripped down death metal album of all, or at the same time, but it just felt right, you know, because we we just wanted to do it. And then now that album is by our uh, hardcore fans is consider one of our their favorites a lot of like a lot of bands like dead congregation those guys say that's the album that kind of did it for them which was nice to know that there was still this underground churning at that time you know under all that more um say commercial uh side of um, metal at that time but you know we did album we we were able to stand behind and be proud of and still to this day you know it's still one of my favorite albums i just listened to it and it's just, it's, yeah, I just feel the, um, I feel the essence of it. It just feels true to me. It was the right thing, the right thing to do, you know, when, you know, yeah, I mean, we could have done the, you know, try to add all the bullshit bells and whistles or try to, you know, the other kind of death metal bands that were out around that time was like Nile and uh, Angel Corpse, which are, which are both great bands, yeah. but they weren't, you know, we weren't that, you know, we, and a lot of bands, from our era, we're trying to jump on that bandwagon about playing that really fast style or trying to add like the, um, the samples like Nile and stuff. And it's just like, we're not, we're not, you know, no, definitely. You know, 10, that was only 10 years after we started. And it's like, we're not going to disgrace ourselves by, you know, trying to jump on any trend like that. You know, I mean, those bands are, are great bands, but it should be, you know, different. It's good that it's different. You know, it's good that there's death metal bands out there that are different. We don't, I don't want all, uh, bands that sound, you know, th- if everyone thought the same way I did, it would be a fucking boring ass <laughs> musical world, you know?
1: Right. <laughs> well, clearly, so. clearly you're doing something right. Because I mean, 30 years and you're still doing it. Now, the caveat to that of course is that how we, how we gauge success in the, the extreme metal industry is going to be different than how you gauge success, for instance, in the, in the pop industry or in kind of the mainstream industry. I mean, we're, we're not talking about the levels of support. So what is the reality of things these days? I mean, you have your labels, they're still putting out stuff. You guys are still signed, but you're not getting, you know, the reality. It's really tough to make a living playing this kind of music. Is that still the case?
0: Yeah, Yeah, it's, it's definitely the case. You have to be, um, really smart you know with you know financial stuff to try to make everything work out properly um but the um like for us it's like this is probably overall the best time for the band's you know in our career i mean it's it's hard to compare because you know it's there's always something special about that time when we started and everything was like kind of um, new and fresh and stuff like that. So that that's a really special time. And, you know, to go from a, um, a demo band to being what would be considered like a contender in a death metal world at that time was, you know, phenomenal. But now it's it's different. Now, you know, there's the, qual- the quality and level of success is just a lot better now um we get in so so many more great opportunities where um you know well respected by so many people in the death metal underground and just the you know bands that use us like says so as influences or just you know the respect of staying true for all this time so you know this right now is probably is, for me is the best time in the band i mean The guys I play with are amazing guys. They're all high quality players. They, the vibe is just really good uh, on stage, hanging out. uh, You know, yeah, I think, I mean, we've learned a lot over 30 30 years as far as, you know, how to make things work, you know, and, you know, we have a good uh, management team working with us to help us kind of, navigate through the times because it's really difficult for somebody like me that start off with a scene that's completely 100% different than the scene now and stuff um, you know the way we did, way we did things in the late I will say that anywhere in the 80s compared to what, the way you do things now is, you know completely different and I'm not I'm I mean I love metal and love death metal stuff but I'm not a I'm not trendy with it I sure I, I'm very strict on the stuff that I like you know I mean I'm open-minded but I'm open-minded to not like stuff too you know <laughs> <laughs> but I give it yeah. I give it the um you know I give things I give things a listen and if I think it sucks I think it's fair to say that I think it sucks and especially because I think it sucks doesn't mean that everybody should think it sucks but for me it might suck but you know the way um, metal C is now it's good to have uh, be working with relapse and with our management team because they understand the way things work now better than I do you know I don't, I don't know how to navigate through so, so much of the the different digital streamings and stuff like that and somehow relapse finds a way to uh, you know monetize enough off it to make it worth to do you know, more albums and stuff. So we're very fortunate that we have people that are able to kind of help us keep the ball rolling and stuff. But I mean, you know, as far as like show wise and touring wise, I mean, things never been um, better. I mean, you know, last couple tours, the, um, you know, just, you know, just the amount of merch that we've been selling at shows has been really, um, really amazing. And a lot of, a lot of young kids getting into it, you know, and it's, for us, it's, it's really nice to see a younger generation really appreciating the stuff we're doing. It's not, um, definitely not expected, you know?
1: And from a business standpoint, you know, merch, merch is where it's at for, for a lot of bands, you know, cause I mean, it's, it's instantaneous and it doesn't have to go through multiple it channels. Saves, I mean, you just it get it. It saves our
0: ass on yeah. tour, trust me. Cause Absolutely. To tour, the tour is, is really expensive. The, the tour, I mean, I feel bad for the bands that got tours canceled and had to set, get, get merch printed up for the tour. Maybe had to, you know, rent a, you know, some kind of vehicle to travel and stuff like that. I mean, all, all that stuff adds up. It, people don't realize that, you know, if you're not touring, they don't realize that it's super expensive to uh, do all that stuff. I mean, I mean, especially if you don't
1: would- have label support.
0: Yeah, well, nobody has label support anymore, really, anyway. I mean, even us, when we tour, you know, the label sometimes helps us out with uh, a little bit of merch, maybe, you know, a little bit. But uh, they just can't afford to do that. So, I mean, you know, even for us before doing the tour, I mean, there's tens of thousands of dollars that have to be invested before I even leave my house to do yeah. the tour. You so know?
1: self-financing is still a big portion of what, what you guys have yeah. seen are doing.
0: So it's tough, you know, yeah. if, you know, but we're, we've been fortunate that it's been paying off for us. But, um, I think it, you know, I mean, it's hard for me to say because I, I feel it in my, you know, on my own, but it's like when we play, I just feel that I feel like we're kicking ass, you know, it yeah. might sound retarded, but it's like, I feel like the guys that I'm working with and stuff and playing with are all, everyone's really, uh, you know, playing at a high level and just the the overall feeling is really, really awesome. And it's just, I mean, it makes it so much fun. Like now when I play on stage, I'm just happy as fuck, you know, just like, just to get on stage. And, you know, I, I pick up my guitar and I just hit an E chord and I'm just like, ah.
1: That's yeah, it. Yeah. Ready
0: for metal, you know, such so a good feeling. And then just play, you know, playing the show and just, um, seeing other people react to it. I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a songwriter more than probably anything else. So it's like, you know, writing new songs and having people appreciate it is just, um, you know, it's for me, it's like everything in life. It's everything that I've worked for. It's like my, um, my life's, um, life's achievement <laughs> <You know. laughs> well,
1: and you've had the chance i mean you you consistently tour, you consistently release I mean, you're doing albums every couple of years other than you know back when there was about a six year span you know yeah. around two thousand and twelve or so, but you're you're constantly working and doing things, in fact, you recently had a chance, which I wanted to ask you about to play seventy thousand tons, yeah,
0: it's awesome,
1: which to me as a fan seems like the dream show but as a performer i just can't imagine that there's any cooler gig than that am i wrong
0: no it's it's awesome to play i mean it's it's a lot of fun the overall vibe is good and it's really good for me because i'm a um, music fan not just a music player some some musicians you know they they don't really like hanging out so much with people but i like hanging out with fans or other bands and just having a, you know, really good time. Just the vibe um, on the ship is really, really awesome. Um, every time we get an opportunity to do that, we do it. We've done it two times so far, and um, both times are amazing. It's great because you play for people from all over the world, um, you know, and it's, it's either people that we – places where we don't normally play. Like some people – you know, some countries where you just don't get many shows at all, we'll just travel just to that to go to it. And um, but then we'll all see a lot of old friends and stuff like that. You know, and for me, like you know, yeah, this last one was I just had so much fun just just checking out bands, being a fanboy myself, <laughs> you know, just checking, you know, it's a lot of fun. Just the the vibe, everyone's in good spirits, you know, and I'm you know, I'm walk walking around the ship and I, you know, walking right by Cronus from Venom, you know, it's just like, fuck, ah, you know, just, you know, whoever, you know, um, hanging out with the possessed guy and suffocation was on board a bunch of, a bunch of friends of ours. It was just, just a, a good way to hang out and not even those people, but just like fans and stuff like that. You know, it's just nice, you know, just do, you just do what you do and just have people come up to you and just, you know, want to shake your hand or have you sign something or just talk, you know, hang out and just talk to whoever, you know, from some part of the world where, you know, we don't normally play and we get to hang out and have like, you know, 10, 15 minute conversation on stuff or, or whatnot, you know, it's just a, a a great vibe. It's a great thing that they do with the ship. Um, yeah. I, I, I can't say enough good things about it. For me, it's perfect. And if I was, um, you know, like the young me say 15 or 14 years old, that would be my dream come true to be on a ship like that with just metal and a bunch of um, metal bands and fans I, I I'd probably kill myself on that ship if I if I would have <laughs> had that opportunity as a teenager to do yeah. that
1: <laughs> well the 45 year old me thinks the exact same thing about it that's just pretty legit <laughs> as far as uh, you know what's available you know the lineups are always killer you can't go wrong
0: yeah and it's good too because there's a lot of different styles of metal on there too so it's a good cross-pollinization to the scene too like get the you could check out stuff that maybe you might not have ever seen before I mean they're because they they always have a lot of really for I consider like off the wall kind of metal bands it's like just different stuff than you know say in part of my metal world like some of the uh folk metal and just like you know different odd subgenres that i don't really get a chance to see and not necessarily i like them or don't like them but it's cool that they're there that it's a mixture of everything and people you know fans you know could maybe get turned on to something else maybe a folk metal guy will like incantation or vice versa so yeah it's good for everybody you know yeah that's awesome
1: yeah that's uh that's on my life goal now at this point is i've, I've got to get on one of those so uh I don't know. Maybe I'll try to be a janitor or something on the boat, try to get a yeah, job. Yeah. On there. <laughs>
0: get, yeah. I know. They, those, those people that work on that ship, yeah. they, they, they work hard. I mean, there's a lot of work to do on that. Um, I give those guys a lot of credit. They have a great, a great, um, crew, but man, it's a lot of work, a lot of work. Those guys do. I mean, it's no joke at all. Everybody, everybody that works on that ship. Um, I mean, they they work hard. I mean, I still see some of them party too after working all day. I'm like, I couldn't I couldn't be doing stagehand work all day and then I know. like partying all night and getting like an hour of sleep and going right back to um, stagehanding. But these people these are these are hardcore people. You know, they know how to do it.
1: Yeah, I just talked to somebody a couple months back, and he basically said, I think he went two or three days straight and just didn't even sleep. He goes, I just didn't even bother, you know he was yeah. he was working it. Some was, people are like yeah. that. Hey, you I know, know if you're going if you're going to be somewhere, you know you're locked in. I mean, you can't go too far. So, you're probably going to be all right. You know, somebody's going to see you. Yeah. Um, well, it wasn't too long after that gig that we started seeing some pictures pop up of maybe a little project you're working on, a little guitar action, getting something built maybe oh, s p custom stuff, yeah, so tell yeah. us about that how did how did you how did you get wrapped up with Scott? How did you meet him and uh how did you decide you wanted to get a guitar built?
0: yeah, well, um uh, when we played we played in uh Greensboro on the contamination tour, when we did with dying fetus and stuff, and he was at the show, and um I don't know. I, after the show, he he came up to me and basically started pimping his guitar, you know, and showing <laughs> me stuff, you know. And it, it was cool. I mean, I I was down with it, and he, he told me, you know, some of the people he worked with, and some people I know, and you know, he was showing me stuff, and I was I was definitely interested in it, you know, and um, basically, uh, not not too long after I moved to Greensboro, I was thinking like. Fuck! There was some dude to, you know, build guitars, you know, down here or whatever. I gotta look them up, and I finally looked them up on um, my Facebook, and I sent a message. Just said, you know, you know, I'm living here in town now, you know, and I just kind of just, you know, I can't remember what I was, what exactly I info I wanted. Maybe, maybe I was trying to do. I was looking for a vocal studio, I think, for a New ounce. I needed to do some some uh, vocal touch ups, and I didn't have a studio built here yet, you know. So, I think I was asking about that. I can't remember, but anyway, he just, you know, he he, um, you know, brought up, yeah, like, yeah, if you want, you know, build a guitar, you know, and I was like, yeah, hell fucking yeah, you know. I mean. I, you know, I've been a guitar player for a long time, but I, I don't really know a lot about building guitars, you know, or like that kind of stuff. So it was kind of cool that I live, you know, end up living really close, so so I can go to his shop and I could have a actual part in building a guitar, learning how to do the trade and stuff like that too with with him, you know. And it's kind of cool to actually, um, you know, have a part in you know my own guitar, you know work you know, we worked on a shape together, you know, try to come up with something that I feel comfortable with. And, you know, it's a lot there's a lot of details about it that he knows that I don't know anything about, you know, which good or what's good or bad. Like I don't I don't even know what wood's good or not. I just know I pick up my guitar, you know, I use and it just sounds good and I'm happy, you know? <laughs> so, you know, he I'm kind of learning a lot about the actual um, you know actual different options on guitars and stuff like that. So for me, it's just been a total blast to, uh, um, you know, work on it. I mean, we've been making pretty good progress before this, um, you know, coronavirus uh, stuff happened. And kind of had to put brakes on building it for a little bit. Sure. You know? But um, hopefully once this gets, you know, done with and stuff and get back to finishing up, because we do have actually a pretty – pretty good amount of it done. Um, and we had like the fretboard, uh, ready, you know, and we were just about to cut out the shape and then, um, you know, all this crap happened, you know, yeah. it was kind of bummer, but I'm really psyched about it. Uh, I know, um, we went to Mexico We did a tour with suffocation and Terrence had, you saw Hobbs's,
1: uh, Hobbs locks.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, he let me try it out while I was there and, you know, just, it's just, kind of cool and you know we just we we're able to rap a little bit about you know the guitar stuff and whatnot yeah. you know
1: well you're taking on you're taking on an active role though in trying to learn you know learn to trade a little bit take on some new stuff and and be involved in the actual production of it which i think is uh is pretty awesome
0: yeah well it's cool i mean i i told him was like you know once we get the guitar done and stuff like that i mean if i have time or whatever, you know, I could help with, um, you know, some of the guitar stuff, you know, that he needs help with or whatever. It's not, it's more of a labor of love for me to do, you know, but, you know, it'd be kind of cool. I mean, if somebody, if, if somewhere down the line it gets to the point where, you know, somebody wants say guitar similar to the one I have or something, you know, I could help build a thing for whoever the fan is or a person is. So it'd be kind of cool. Why not? You know, I mean, I know for me when, you know, I was, you know, younger with my BC Riches, you know, I was really, you know, psyched to meet, you know, somebody that worked at BC Rich or whatever, just to talk to him, you know, so it's kind of cool to have a actual, um, you know, input in. And Scott's a great guy. He's a, you know, he's really talented with that stuff. I mean, you know, know, he built some really good guitars and I know he has a lot of stuff in the fire. I mean, I don't know how he he does all the stuff he does.
1: He doesn't know how he does all the stuff he does.
0: Yeah. You know, but I, mean, I mean, you know, he's doing the stuff of false prophet too. You know, they're yeah. they're keeping busy and stuff. So, I mean, yeah, he has a lot on his plate. I mean, you know, I mean, I have a lot on my plate too. So it's sometimes tough to get to the uh, shop, but it's also nice to just you know work there and just you know have a you know it's kind of like a primal thing. You know, you you're actually carving the wood or sanding the stuff. I mean. It's manual labor, but it's it's cool to have an act- active part in it.
1: Well, it looks like you mentioned BC Rich. I mean the the design elements that I've seen, it looks like it may have started his life inspired by a mockingbird and kind of went from there. Was that the idea behind it? That's something yeah. you've been familiar with for for a long yeah, time. Yeah, so. yeah.
0: I wanted to I wanted to have it have some of the feel of a mockingbird because i've been using i've been using mockingbirds so long live it's so comfortable for me you know i'm not against other guitar but when i play live i I just it just feels right to me you know so have that vibe and i knew that he um you know grew up as a uh, bc rich guitar guy you know so well, he already has the fundamentals in it I mean the um, you know warlock shape like Hobbes has you know obviously BC rich influence I mean it's um, you know it, it's like I can get the um, you know the quality that I would like to have in a BC rich you know but you know, have it. You know, his guitar, but it still has all the things that I like about my old BC Riches. I, I some of the BC Riches I have, or or customs from the '80s, and they really they play really nice, really great. But um, you know, these days it's like you know, it's so difficult to get a um, you know to get a good quality BC Rich for a reasonable price. I mean, they have, you know, I mean, they, I know they opened up a new stores, new owners and stuff like that. And, and it, the stuff, I mean, it looks nice. It's really flashy and stuff, but in my opinion, it doesn't have enough of the the tradition in there. Like, it doesn't want, have want, the
1: want, Bernie Rico soul attached to it.
0: Yeah. It's just, it, you know, it's, it's like they're too sparkly. They're too, they're, they're, they're like, Back then, yeah, they had some fancy uh, ideas and stuff like that. But you know, sometimes you just want—just for me, like I want just a nice all-black guitar. Yeah. Fuck everything. Make it simple. <laughs> or you know, just get, someone get, you know a nice, a nice painted red guitar or whatever. You know, just something doesn't need to be, uh, you know, the fancy trimming and stuff like that. Because if you if you build the body nice, the body looks nice on its own. You don't need all these bells and whistles to to make it look great or whatever you know i mean i've been wanting for a while just i just wanted a, a mockingbird it didn't have the um the um we will call it the i just wanted the one pickup i just wanted the the lead pickup you know i didn't want the other pickup in it you just and, want a, um, like
1: a single bridge
0: pickup and that's it yeah i just want to see yeah, exactly i want a single bridge one pickup. one knob on
1: off no pickup selector
0: yeah because you know, I'm playing shows. I wanted I want my guitar to be ready to go, least amount of problems possible. I don't want to worry about hitting knobs or hitting switches while playing or whatever. I just want to know I can just I can just plug it in, you know, turn up the volume and play, you know. And you want it to be you want it to be quality. You want it to it's everything to sound good, but you don't need a you know if if I. I mean, if I was playing other styles of music, yeah, I could use, you know, all the different switches and switch between pickups and stuff. But, you know, I play all I mostly play rhythm. So it's just like I just want to have I just need a good quality rhythm sound in in my guitar to have to me to have the extra pickup. Oh, like every piece that you add extra to the electronics of the guitar to me. Is just something that can go wrong. And I've, <laughs> I've had, I've toured so much that... I was going to
1: say, I'm sure you've got some stuff to back up that idea. <laughs> yeah, I
0: mean, I'll try to... The way I look at it is, the, you know, the, it sh, the guitar should be like, you know, some kind of like race car that, you know, you just set up for you know winning the race it's not not roadworthy or whatever yeah it might not be the best guitar to just chill out and, and jam with but it's when it goes to playing live it's set up for it to do a focused goal you know it's it's to sound as heavy as fuck to be consistent least amount of problems to deal with you know so you know with this guitar that i'm building with scott i'm you know want to make it like that i want to make it kind of like a you know um, just a high performance, um, guitar, you know, no, no bullshit. No, like I said, it's gonna, it's gonna just have, you know, one, um, EMG 81 in there and I'm fine with it. I don't need, you know, if we had a volume, you know, I don't even, I don't even need the, uh, on off switch or nothing for the pickup, just volume, you know, I'm, you know, just plug, you know, have a plug into the, uh, instrument cable and that's it, you know?
1: I read something that you, you kind of have the same philosophy with your amps too. You're not really big into tons of pedals and tons of effects yeah. and, you know, carrying a whole bunch of different rigs around with you. You just kind of like to keep it short and sweet and to the point.
0: I try, I try my best. I mean, it's difficult, you know, when you're touring and you're using all this, all these effects and pedals, it's just it, it, things get screwed up on the road, you know, get tossed around and stuff and just, you know, you have pedals, you have, you know, when I used to use like the old boss pedals or, or whatnot, you know, the chords would get uh, wanky after a while or something, or the input jack would start getting screwed up and stuff. And, you know, these things happen like during the show, you know, it's like, you know, you realize you're playing and all of a sudden you start hearing, you know, chopping out of the guitar. You know, I, I've been through all that stuff. So I try to keep it as simple as possible. I mean, I sometimes... Sometimes use a Watt pedal live, um, but I try not to even use that unless it's like necessary, really necessary for a song. I mean, like I said, for me, it's simpler better. I mean, the um, amp that I use, the Revolt amp, it's um, cust- a custom amp. It's it, it's I just know I could play it and it's just going to sound freaking killer, you know. And I, like I said, I just have one sound. I don't I don't switch, you know, the different things live i'm you know i'm just playing rhythm rhythm so most important thing is i'm a quality quality sound and and while i'm talking about gear the uh power by omega cabinets i use are just um phenomenal um i first got hooked up with those guys at the new england metal and hardcore fest and they had and you know we were going to bring in our cabs and and mike from power by omega said i'll just just try our amps. i I guarantee it's going to be good you know and I was like, ah, okay, fuck it. you know I don't think carry my gear in today, so I'll use it, you know right so and i we used it, and I just remember it never sounded that good live. His cabinet sounded it just it was so nice because a lot of times I get that bottom out sound sometimes you know, because we have we, we have a good amount of low end in in our um sound because I use pretty thick strings, and sometimes if the cabinets just aren't you know good enough you sometimes get like a little bit of a, um, I don't know, like a, hum, a or whatever. Like you don't get like that, that, that low, good low tone in it, you it's know? It's not tight so, and punchy. Yeah, that's perfect. Not tight and punchy, you know, it yeah. get, that, that low one gets mushy, you know? So, um, yeah. So I'm really happy with those too. Those, those are really badass. And I think if, if anyone that's heard our tone on the last couple of tours, you could tell that the, the, quality of our gear is also really good which helps you know because you just you know if you don't have good gear you know you just can't you know come across live the way you want to you know it's important
1: yeah absolutely i think that's you know gear gear is one of those things where sometimes if it's going to break on you it's going to break on you but there there is stuff out there it's meant to handle the rigors of the road and you can have all kinds of cool studio stuff just to kind of yeah. dick around with and have fun and play. And, you know, if you go in and you do your recording then great, you can add all that stuff in, but you know, the more shit you got to carry with you, like you said, the more, the more, uh, problems you're apt to have. Um, yeah, I know a lot you of know. people that swear by tube amps until they go on tour, <laughs> and <laughs> it, if something was, takes a shit on you, and you're you know your tech swapping out tubes in the middle of a show or well, something.
0: But yeah, well the is- the issue is is that um you know when you tour if you tour with lots of gear, it really it's you you got to have backup to all your gear, you know. So it's actually to tour with a lot of stuff is is It gets expensive because, I mean, you know, you need, what do you do if, you know, your pedal or something doesn't work? Either don't use the pedal for the show or you have a backup, you know? I mean, even with my amplifier, um, I have a, I I bring two, I bring one, I use as I I I mean, that's sitting on the side as a backup in case something happens. It kind of sucks to have to carry it around and never use it, but it's like I've been there before where, you know, I, 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 one, one time, I think I hit one note at a show and amp blew on me. You know, I went, you know, and it was like, awesome, you know? Yeah. Yeah, It kills the vibe.
1: I just saw fate's warning a few months ago and they opened up and I've, I've seen them a few times. They're, they're killer. And, uh, first song amp goes out boom <laughs> yeah just the very first song so so they <laughs> uh so they they played sure they won't. played they they uh, so they 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 one guitar it for like three songs rather than stop the show yeah, they they yeah. just said fuck it we'll just play with one and then they just had everybody up there trying to figure out why the amp wasn't working the backup amp wasn't working they're fucking unhooking everything it was such a disaster but yeah. the guy was super cool about it i mean he just he came back on after he got it working he's like eh, you know what are you going to do and everybody just yeah. kept playing and it was really fucking cool that's
0: cool that's cool he had a good attitude I mean, talking about fate's warning I, i'm not that familiar with their newer stuff but their, um, first three albums yeah. were, uh, was a Spectre Within, um, mm-hmm. Night at Brocken was really good. The first one and, um.
1: Perfect Symmetry is the one that I always kind of go back to.
0: Yeah. Uh, I can't, I, I can't remember, but I just remember the first three I used to listen to a, a lot. Um, in the eighties, I still, I still have, I know I still have, uh, Night at Brocken. I still have that one. On vinyl. I don't know if I have the other ones anymore, but that's um, that was some killer stuff back then. It was kind of like um, it was kind of like Iron Maiden influence, a little bit like it was like it wasn't thrash, but it had a little bit elements of thrash and it was yeah. a little technical. It was kind of interesting, you know. I I haven't followed them for many years, but I remember back in the day that they were actually um, I used to dig them a lot. Actually, yeah. I used to hear them on. A local uh, college radio station. He used to play play them. That's where I first heard him, You know, and I just remember that guy, that uh, singer. I guess he was on the first couple albums. Singer after the first couple albums. So you remember, he had kind of like a a cool uh, higher version of Bruce Dickinson or something. Voice, yeah, you know?
1: yeah. They definitely kind of had that Sanctuary kind of Nevermore Dream Theater kind of pre Dream Theater, but yeah. Uh, definitely, yeah. I think that they, them, and you know Queensryche and Sanctuary kind of spawned that power metal stuff over in this area so yeah i catch them every time they come this way they're pretty awesome um,
0: first ep a lot by queens right to queen of the right that one kicked my ass i mean i like some i'd like to hear you sing that (laughs) 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 yeah it's a great queen of the right is a great song but yeah i'll never be able to Pull that off! Holy, holy crap! Yeah,
1: I made it my life school when I was a kid. That was one of the first songs I learned how to play all the way through. I was pretty stoked with myself when I could do it. So yeah, yeah, that's that's a awesome. classic. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I like all that old stuff, and that's that's yeah. funny because you, you know people will look at you and be like, "Oh, this guy plays death metal. He must only like death metal." And that's always right. what people think, is you realize, "Well, no, that wasn't around when I was listening to shit. It wasn't there." Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, I mean the thing was, yeah, death metal. Yeah, and and most of my teen years death metal didn't start existing until a certain point, you know, yeah. I mean, I didn't even know it. I mean, it, well, it wasn't even around really. <laughs> I mean, you know, well, when you I helped was create first, it. when I, when I was first, um, into metal, you know, it was Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, maybe Exciter, Accept, you know, stuff like that, you know, was the, the stuff I got into and then you kind of, you know, I would dig in deeper and deeper, but you know, I mean, death didn't exist at the time. I mean, they yeah. existed probably, but they were doing demos and I, I was too young to even know what a demo was. I didn't, I didn't really start <laughs> trading demos until I was about 16 or 15 or something. And uh, yeah. Trading. But, the tape yeah, trading have, days. Yeah. I used to, I used to do a lot of that back in the day. It was, it was I send I you this, a lot of stuff.
1: I send you something cool and you better fucking send me something equally cool, dude. Whoever you are out
0: in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. just, yeah. I used to just, one some of my friends um I used to work in a record store and they told me about you know demos and fanzines and stuff you know I don't know probably sixteen years old or something you know and once I realized like, holy crap, you know, like you could actually get a band's demo, you know like I heard of demos, but I didn't know that you could actually buy them or trade them and and I, then for the next like I don't know, probably could. Eight years after that, I was just obsessed with like trying to hear new music from all over the world. You know, it was pretty, pretty fun. Um, front time doing a tape trading stuff. I mean, um, you know, blank cassette people must have really made a lot of money off us because we were selling them <laughs> all, you know, trading them all over the world, right?
1: You know? <laughs> Otherwise known as piracy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, <laughs> well, was, you know, yeah. whatever. We're not it casting
0: was... stones or anything. It's cool. Yeah. Well, it's like, um, it can't trust me, piracy can't be any worse than it is now. Now the floodgates are open. <laughs> oh my
1: God. I know. it's a, that's a hot button, man. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's towing that line between wanting to get your stuff heard, you know, and wanting to yeah. get something out of it, you know, but not want to be like, you know, the whole, I need to have all your money, you know, just like, yeah, I, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. tough. And especially if there's, you know, labels involved too. I mean, it's just, it's, it opens up a whole big, you know, can of worms for sure. But yeah, I, I think it,
0: it. Yeah, it's a, no, that's a, that's a crazy. Uh, it's really difficult thing to navigate, and that's why I'm happy I have other people navigate it for me. You know, <laughs> the label and stuff like that, because I don't have to really worry about that aspect of it so much, you know. But there is, there's, I mean, there's always been piracy, but it was, you know, back in the tape training days, it was still. You still had to like do a little work for it, you know, now it's super simple, you know, to just download something or, um, you know, listen to it and, you know, I mean the streaming stuff, I mean, I don't get it because there's the amount of money that I see on statements from streaming are so ridiculously small. I just don't see how it makes sense, you know, but I mean, you know. It makes sense if Relapse knows how to figure it out. I'm happy for them. You know. Yeah, we'll let the minions deal with it. That's their yeah. job. It's better for me. I just want to play music and stuff. So you know. Hopefully, so. you
1: open up the the mailbox one day, or you open up the bank account, and there's 14 extra cents with your name on it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Last. <laughs> Less- Last uh, check I got from, I think it was, I don't know if it was Google, I can't remember who it was from, but it was about yeah, eight bucks, you know, <laughs> for a while, for a while while we were touring. I was for ASCAP, 20, for ASCAP payments. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was getting like 20, uh, 20 bucks a month. So I was like, okay, I can get, you know, go out for a nice meal somewhere, you know, off yeah. my royalties, you know.
1: <laughs> you can get a, you can get a couple of Whopper meals two for 10. <laughs> so so all you guys that beg for free merch just think about that next time that's that's what you're doing to the industry right so (laughs) i shouldn't say it like that but you know it is it is kind of funny i I was talking to uh somebody else here recently and uh, somebody who's quite well known and and he was like yeah it's really funny sometimes i i don't expect to get the money and i just open up you know the mailbox one day and and there's like an cap check and he's like woohoo yeah awesome I'm going out to dinner tonight
0: <laughs> yeah yeah a couple times I mean a, yeah, a couple times the check was so small that I'm just like why even send it yeah. like you're wasting more money sending me the damn check for, you know it's like two bucks or something <laughs>
1: <laughs> cost you more to pay the guy to process it yeah that's kind of yeah, like uh, Back in the day I, I came from the restaurant business And I used to I used to run restaurants And uh, at one point You would get uh, The servers would actually uh, They would get negative Paychecks like they would literally just have A zero dollar paycheck because of what they were Claiming on their tips and the way that the states <laughs> Were taxing them and stuff so they would get a paycheck And the paycheck would say like non-negotiable and I'd, <laughs> I'd be like I'm sorry to have to give you this if you want to punch me in the face, I'm okay with that. I would, I would want to, if I was you. So I'll take one for the team because you're taking one way worse than I am. So yeah, it's pretty crazy. So that is, that is the reality though of the recording industry. You know, it's the, the, the business side of it is that it's all about the tours. You know, it's all about, you know, playing the shows, getting out there, hitting the road. And, and, you know, as far as records go, I mean, the labels got to get their money back before they're going to give you anything.
0: Yeah you know luckily for me i do it more because i love doing it and not doing it for the for the money i mean obviously i gotta live but at the same time you know i do it i do it from my own personal expression and just because i mean i like playing for metal people too you know i like the whole lifestyle of it but um yeah if i didn't like it i definitely would uh try to find something a little more lucrative, you
1: know? <laughs> so you're not sitting on the millions is what you're telling me.
0: No it, would, yeah. no, it would be nice, you know, but yeah, no, it just doesn't work that way. Yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, you know, it is
1: it is what it is. So, uh, well, you know, I wanted to ask you uh, earlier before uh, we we went down those rabbit holes, but as I was kind of digging around, I was just kind of uh, plugging some stuff in, seeing kind of some stuff that pops up. I came across a really old Reddit post from you and the reddit post said hi i'm john mcinty i play an incantation ask me anything and well yeah from, do you remember that and yeah, yeah from remember. there from realized. there it was like 97 sub pages of craziness and i was like well that's pretty cool that you opened up those floodgates and i saw recently you kind of went on uh, on the old facebook live and and did something similar but i think that the interaction with the fans right now uh, and, and the friends, I guess, cause you know, you're going to get people that are your friends kind of yeah. hopping on your feeds. But is that something that you, you find to be an important part of what you do is that, is that interactive piece?
0: Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I like doing that stuff, you know, it's not really like a strategic plan or whatever, but I just like to, um, you know, like uh, ask at shows, I always hang out in the crowd, you know, make myself available if people want to chat or, whatnot so I'm always into um you know communicating with the scene or just talking about metal or whatever I'm just a um you know like anybody that goes to our shows I'm a music fan you know and stuff like that and I like I don't mind you know people have questions about something that has to do with the band or something I know about you know I don't mind telling them you know it's cool to um you know fill in people uh, for info they might be interested in, you know, because I know for me, if I meet, you know, a, a band that I really like, you know, it, it's nice to hear some stories about stuff if I want it, you know, if I like the band or whatever.
1: Everybody likes the band history. I mean, it, it's kind of funny because you go, it's out there, you know, it's there, I've talked about it, it's there, go, you know, but you can't say, go listen to this show or that show or go read this yeah. article or, or go pick up this, you know, hit Parader from 1983 yeah. and go, I, I already answered that question, you know, what are you going to do? There is one story though that I mm-hmm. wanted to ask you about that was in there, because okay. it was such a it was a very specific to a very specific show, which led to a very specific set of events. And so mm-hmm. that story was of a stabbing at one of oh. your shows yeah. with Mike, mm-hmm. and uh, so clearly the person was there, and apparently this guy had played in one of the bands or, or was supposed oh. to have played in one of the bands that was opening for you guys that day. So, so tell us about what happened if you don't mind. I, I, just such a, just a, a crazy story.
0: Well, yeah, that, that was quite a while ago. I was on, I was on the Blasphemy tour and I think it was. Oh, uh, one, I think, or 2, 02 it must've been, I think, I can't remember, but, um, yeah, it was a great tour. It was, uh, Immolation, Us and Goat Whore. And, uh, for us, we were really excited because we never we, we played shows in Malaysia and we're good friends with them. But it was really nice to um, you know actually do a tour with them. But um, like the second the second show we played in uh, Queens, uh, I don't know, I think it was a Pyramid Club. I can't remember. But really, um, yeah, really sucked. We had a really shitty day. Um,
1: <laughs> well, yeah, and it got and, shittier.
0: Yeah, we got we got there and we had a whole bunch of merch and the venue wasn't open so we we um, we got our merch and we were counting we counted it out kind of in in front of the club in Queens and um, basically when we we brought what merch we needed in for the show. And then after the show, well, halfway through the show, we went outside and someone broke into our vehicle and stole all of our merch for the whole tour we were going to do. So they sold um, wholesale about, I don't know, $8,000 worth of merchandise, you know? So, So we were already really in a bad mood, you know? And then... Um we we didn't know at that point though that there was gonna be a stabbing. So we were just like you know, hopefully we could try find a way to make it back, you know, on the tour. But anyway, um yeah, it was after it was after the whole show, because Malaysia finished playing and it was something really stupid where um uh, one our, our vocalist guitar player at the time, Mike Says he was his friend was at the show. Uh, and this guy got into his face and was like complaining to him that he was, look, checking out his girlfriend or something like that. Like, this is, this isn't Mike. This is Mikey's friend. I think his name was Scott and Scott and this other guy, which he, I think he was a Guatemalan kid or something. I can't remember. I, I don't know his name, but, um, they ended up, um, he a guy, guy must've been really drunk or something. Cause he started like. Pushing Scott, you know, they're kind of they were kind of getting at it together, you know, and uh, Mikey seen it, ha- seen seen like something starting to go down, and he runs into the middle of both of them, pushes them apart, you know, to try to try stop. to be the peacemaker. They try to be the peacemaker. Well, he didn't realize that he wasn't pushing Scott; that he was actually stabbing Scott, and so when he pushed him away he was still swinging his knife around and, and ended up cutting um, slashing him like right in his, um, I think it was, I don't know if it was the top or Yeah, I think it was a top. He, like he slashed right here and like cut his bicep uh, basically in half. And the, the other guy, Scott ended up getting, uh, he got slashed in the face and he got stabbed. And um, you know, once, um, Mike, you know, Mikey, um, you know, Mikey was yelling or whatever, you know, I was like, well, you know, he, he was yelling and Kyle was in the backstage. He was just changing out of his stage clothes to, you know what? Immolation didn't even play yet. Actually. It was right after our set. Cause he, Kyle was changing out of his stage clothes and Kyle didn't even get his, Kyle was like in his underwear and he <laughs> runs out and it's like, it's like, you know, because he heard Mikey yelling and distress yeah. and stuff. And he, he goes to, he, and then the dude runs away after he sees Kyle chasing him. And I was up, I was on outside the club because I was trying to help the dude that got slashed or whatever. And I seen this dude just sort of bolt right past me. And then I seen Kyle. He's just, he has no shoes on, no nothing. And he just has underwear and he's, and it's, like the winter time. <laughs> so it's the snow out in the ground and he's chasing this guy down the street and he, and the dude ends up, like guess, tossing the knife and Kyle tackles him or uh, on something and starts like beating on him and the cops end up coming and the cops are like start, you know, put their guns on Kyle. Cause they're like, what's this guy doing running around the street in his underwear? Yeah, He looks like the crazy time. one. <laughs> yeah. You know? And, um, but then, you know, Kyle explained to him what happened and stuff, and they ended up taking the guy in the um, dude that did the slashing. So yeah, it was a pretty crazy night. Um, and, and basically, it's you know, we had we had the to cancel a tour obviously after that because, of um, course, I mean, we, we we thought the merch was the worst part of the day, but then you know, uh, Mikey's you know was stabbed and stuff, so that totally screwed everything up. He had to go to um, the hospital and get reconstructive surgery done on his, you know, muscle and stuff. And it was going to take him a while. And basically he decided at that point that he didn't want to do the band anymore, you know, that, you know, he just, um, I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it was a real shame because we actually really liked Mikey. We thought he was doing a great job and he was a really nice guy and stuff. But um, he just seemed, you know, after that, he just wasn't the same. You know, maybe, you know, I guess, you know, uh, I never got stabbed. So I don't know what it's like, you know, to get stabbed like that, you know, but it's, um, you know, life, it was, you know, it kind of changed them somewhat, you know? Yeah. That's got to go
1: down in history is one of the most fucked up days. That's just absolutely crazy. And it wasn't, you know, long after that then that that you kind of took on the role that you're doing now. I mean, you've always been in the band, but you know, then you take over, uh, as as a vocalist at that point, and that's kind of that's kind of where we're at with Incantation now. So, do you consider yourself really a vocalist, or you've always thought yourself more of a guitarist?
0: Well, now I consider myself a vocalist, but mm-hmm. back then, no. I mean, my my uh, I always wanted to be more like a Mike Terrell from Possessed. I wanted to be a songwriter, you know, and a guitar player, and um, but once Mikey left the band, you know, I had a talk with Kyle, we had a kind of a one-to-one and just said like, one of us has to do vocals because, you know, we're not leaving or whatever, the band. And, um, you know, he basically told me, he says he can't do it. And I was like, oh, I can't do it. But I said, oh, I'll try. You know? So I basically just, um, practiced in my basement growling, to all the CDs, trying to learn the, um, you know, the early stuff that Craig Pillar did, learn the Daniel Corchado stuff and the Mikey stuff, and just try my best to, like, match the tones at first, not even, um, you know, I wasn't even worried about the quality, but I just had to, like, learn how to note, make notes out of growls or whatever, you know. Uh So it took about a year of doing it, and then we played our first show, we we did th- we booked three shows in Mexico as like kind of a warm-up show. So if um if I suck totally, I'd only have three <laughs> Mexican shows.
1: <that laughs> if you're gonna suck ass and do it
0: out of the country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. But um the first time I heard it live, I was it wasn't as say strong and deep as I would prefer, but it did remind me of a really early, like um, Morbid Visions era Sepultura. Sepultura, so, yeah. So I was kind of like, I could live with that. That's that's good. I mean, Max Max is the man, you know. So I was like, that was a good um, a good um, starting point or whatever, you know. And then from there, it just it took me a while. Like for the first two albums, I did vocals on uh, Decimate, Christendone and Primordial Domination. I had a lot of um, Kyle kind of coaching me through it, you know, because I I couldn't, I everything I did I thought sucked, you know. I just didn't have the confidence, so I would just do it, and I'd have to tell him like, "You got to tell me if it's good," because I if if I do it, I'm gonna just keep doing it over and over again um, because I don't think it's good enough. And him and uh, our engineer at the time, Bill Korecki, uh, basically coached me through. Doing the vocals for those two albums and um but then after that you know by the time like i don't know 2008 or 9 came around i started to become more and more confident with it you know and then once once we kind of got back after we did the, it wasn't it was kind of an album break for a little while until we did vanquish and vengeance that was that was really the first one that I did that I felt like, um, you know, I I was where I wanted to be. You know, like I I still oh I always have other people coach me on stuff because I want to make sure that you know it's really good and not just good because I want to get done with it. You know, it's kind of like when you're doing if you if you're track when I'm tracking guitars. It's like sometimes I need someone else to tell me, like, that just sucks, you know? Because you, you, you like uh, try to be extra optimistic with yourself, like, oh, yeah, I got this. But anyway, so, but yeah, Vanquish The Vengeance was the, the first one that, like, vocal wise for me, that I really feel um, I came into myself more. Even though I, I do, I mean, I sometimes get crapped a little bit for the vocals not being as strong on Decimate or Primordial, but I do like those vocals. They're just not, um, they're not the same as the earlier stuff or the way they are now. They're, they're a little more, a little more maybe mid Tony, maybe not quite as strong in the low end, but I mean, these days I feel really good. Actually. I feel, I feel way more confident in vocal wise. I mean, I've I've been getting a lot more um, recognized for my vocals lately, which is nice because, you know, I want to do the best I can. So it's nice that, people seem to like it because yeah, you, there's still always a little little voice inside so you being like, oh, man, it sucks, dude. You could do better than that, you know, We all do it.
1: that though. Yeah, <laughs> but that'll that'll never stop. That's like that's like the fucking angel and the devil on your shoulder, right? You yeah. know, it's just, it's just like you got to knock one of those fuckers off, you know. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's crazy.
1: And you know, it was never an option though back then when when uh, you and Kyle were talking about it, it's you or me. I mean, it, it, you had brought on other people in the past to take on that role. Yeah. That just didn't. But that wasn't. That wasn't going to happen this time.
0: No. Well, the problem was, and it's no disrespect to any of the uh, former vocalists, or, or uh, we've had a bunch of people fill in for different things and stuff like that. And sure. it's nothing against any of them. It's just that it's difficult to find somebody to do things the way you want them done. Because, I mean, the reality of it is, um, I mean, the, the incantation concept started with me. It was it was my concept, and now. Kyle and I really, you know, you know, it's really our thing. I mean, Chuck, too, the bass player, he really contributes a lot. Like, but we we all have we. It just after a while of looking for people, us three, I guess, really were able to have a good way of working together and knowing what stuff is um, acceptable for the band and what how to do things or whatever. So the bottom, but the bottom line is my point is is finding a vocalist, it would just be a pain in the ass because we'd be telling them to do it this way, do it yeah. that way. We'd be, You know, we'd be telling them what to say between the songs, everything, you know, We because the vocalist is like the present presents the band live, it, it, you know, we want it, we want, like on the album, we want it done a certain way or live, you know, we'd be singing something in a different way, you know, we'd get kind of annoyed and be like, no, just, you know, keep it to how it's supposed to be or whatever, and um it's kind of not fair almost to the vocalist that we would get in the band because we'd be trying to push them to be somebody that we want them to be instead of who they are right themselves yeah so it's not it's it's um better we we knew that if i was to do it it would be better because you know first of all i don't mind the criticism like you know, I don't. I don't get my butt hurt if someone says <laughs> I suck at something or whatever. It just, I'm like, yeah, I know, but I'm trying. You know. Yeah. But the bottom line is, is you know, it's just nice to not have to tell somebody, you know, this isn't good enough or whatever the situation might be. I could just, you know, if it sucks, I blame myself and I work at it. Or if Kyle tells me something sucks, I say, okay, I'll. I'll what you know? What's your opinion? What should I do to make it better? It's just easier. You know, working with someone else, you know, and telling them, you know, it's. I guess it's different if if the band was, if the band was started with four people that had a similar concept, they want to go together and sh- make a smorgasbord and see what comes out. <laughs> that would be one thing, but the band was created with a focused idea, right? Like right when I left Revenant. This was like, this, this is, you know, even though I started with Paul Ledney, I went with Paul Ledney because he had a, a similar concept as me, but it was my thing. I was like, I want it to be this way. You know, I was kind of stubborn, you know, I mean, I mean, you could look at it. It was almost like a solo project kind of thing where it's was like, I want it this way. I want to find people that want to do it this way. You have to, you have to have a strict uh, way about it because you can't get, you know, if, Sometimes other people's inputs is great and it adds flavor to the situation. Otherwise, sometimes other people's inputs takes away from the overall um, vision of the band. So, and the vocals area was is such a difficult, um, um, you know, it just, it, it, cha- it changes the mood to everything. And if the live performance isn't done properly or vocals on the album aren't done properly, it will just take whatever we're doing as a song and it'll suck. Cause if this vocals suck, no one cares really if the music's good or not, you know, but I mean, we've been very fortunate. I mean, um, you know, Craig Pillard is an amazing vocalist. He did a great job on, on the albums he did. Uh, Daniel Carchado, I mean, on Diabolical Conquest, he did a phenomenal job. It was totally different style than Craig and he, and he nailed it and it sounded great. And then Mikey did a great job on his stuff. So for me, I'm so fortunate because I got to learn from such great vocalists and I was able to take all the stuff I learned from them and the stuff I wanted them to do and I could do it, you know, myself. But it you know, it was a lot of work to do. It wasn't like I just um, you know, said one day, okay, I'm gonna do vocals and just got up there and it sounded good, yeah. you know. Yeah. No. Suck for a long time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I don't know. I, you probably didn't suck that bad. I mean, you know, it's, it's you're one of the few bands though that's that's been able to survive multiple incarnations of vocalists and and still kind of yeah. maintain maintain your fan base. And I mean, everybody's going to deal with the purists, right? Those guys that yeah. they don't ever want anything to change. But that doesn't seem to really be a thing with Incantation. The, I mean, it's a thing, but it's not as in your face as you hear about with other bands.
0: Well. The th- yeah, I mean, there's certain people that are stuck in their ways and they're always gonna you know like you know one vocals. like I look at it like this some people are just a fan of say they're a fan of we will just say Daniel Corchado's vocals, and you know that's gonna be their favorite album they like his vocals that way, and no other vocalists in the bands ever sound like Daniel Crochato and you know, it's fine. They could be, if they're a Daniel Carcciato fan and they like our album because Daniel Carcciato sang on it, that's great. That's cool. They don't have to be a fan of the band. I mean, if they they think everything else sucks because it doesn't have Daniel Carcciato on it, that's fine. (laughs) You know, it's okay. And the same, you know, same thing goes for Craig or with Mike. It's like, you know, and they're all great vocalists. So, I mean, some people look at it, you know, they're a, a fan of, say, a certain member or a uh, you know, like, uh, vocals are, you know, like you could look at a band like Black Sabbath. Some people are Ozzy Pura. Some people like Ozzy and Dio or Tony Martin. I like Tony I, Martin. Know. I do too. But um, some people, you know, they won't even give Tony Martin the time of day of uh, those albums. You know, they, they want to hear just with Ozzy. Oh, Headless Cross is so good. Yeah, no, headless. Cro- I I think uh, Eternal Idol is amazing one too. So <laughs> one more rabbit
1: hole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, man, it's, it's it's awesome. I I love I I love the fact I love what you guys are doing. I've been a fan for a long time. Um, I I come from your era of of that scene, so I can appreciate where you are now versus where you've been. So you know after. Ten full lengths, a handful of EPs, a couple of live albums, a couple of splits, and some some random awesomeness out there. Then, what's what's next for Incantation?
0: Yeah, we have a new album that's pretty much ready. It just I'm waiting to find out what we're going to do as far as release for because I don't know what's up. So we have that we have a new album ready, and we we're working on another one now that we're just going to have to keep aside until whenever Relapse wants to release it because. I'm not going to want to release two albums right next to each other, but um, you know, we just been inspired to write and stuff like that. So we're just going with it. But um, I would say, I mean, for us, I mean, we're just going to continue writing music because that's what we do. We, we like to create new songs and record and do that kind of stuff. And once this, um, you know, pandemic stuff is, you know, worked out and safe. We're going to go, you know, back out on the road and just, um, you know, continue doing what we do and try to do it as much as possible. And I think, I I hope after this pandemic, uh, people are going to feel the same way as I do, is that you just, you're really going to appreciate being out on the road uh, a lot more than maybe what we were before this happened, because you realize that something could happen, you know, I mean who knows, it might be a year until shows are happening again. You know, it's like something we took for granted, you know, and maybe we didn't even go to all the shows that we could have or should have or wanted to. <laughs> or, or that, that we did.
1: said we'd go to cough yeah, cough yeah. me. <laughs> yeah.
0: So but you know, now now it's like, you know, people will be happy if there's just, you know, some local bands playing or whatever and you know, and be able to you know, go to a small club, do anything, you know? So I'm hoping that people are going to have the, the right, um, you know, that kind of way of looking at things. And, um, you know, for me, it'll just be great to get out, you know, play music and hang out with metal people and stuff like that. And I'm hoping that, you know, things aren't going to change so much. So, you know, I can still hang out with everybody at the shows and stuff like that. Cause that's to me, part of the fun is, um, you know, just hanging out and talking to my friends from everywhere. You know, we we tour so much over the years. I have like mixture between like longtime friends. You know, like some friends that I knew from even before I played in Incan. You know, some of them moved to different parts of the country and come out to the show, and it's like it's just amazing to be able to you know travel so much and every as every aspect of the tour and you know is great. I mean, yeah, it's. Difficult being away from home in certain circumstances, but, you know, I still uh, appreciate um, the opportunity to get to play. I mean, it's something I've wanted to do since I was a young kid, you know?
1: Yeah, well, I think it's awesome what you're doing. You know, congratulations on your career and for sticking around for 30 plus years in an industry where people just generally don't give it that much time. So uh, this new album you got coming out. Have you released any details? Is there a title yet? Is there anything you can give us, tidbit
0: wise? Um, the only thing I can say is that it's good. You <laughs> like it. It's um, good. The
1: vocals are awesome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, there's no, there's no details yet. I, I'm not allowed to give any details of it. It's going to
1: be with I'll, Relapse.
0: Yeah, it's going to be on Relapse, and realistically, I, I mean, within the month, I should know something about the release uh, as far as release date and stuff like that. Cool. We do have stuff in in the works, you know, as far as like um, getting a lyric video organized, stuff like that. And we're really happy with um, the way it came out. It's, um, you know, it's not like people are going to hear and be like, you know, it's totally different. And it's not totally the same, you know it has it's basically like an, almost every album it has its own flavor to it, but it still has all the uh, fundamentals and I, I'm happy with a lot of stuff' Cause there was some really um atmospheric parts to it, which i really I really like the um having some of the doomier texture stuff, you know
1: yeah but
0: it, but it's kind of weird to have um we're going to have this new album come out and my brain is going to be focused on newer songs that we're writing for this, <laughs> this next one. So it's actually kind of weird. You You're know? thinking like,
1: one step ahead.
0: Yeah. Like it's crazy because the stuff we have for the one, even after this one, yes, yeah, so I can't, I mean, there's some really fun stuff. I'm really cool. um riffs that, I'm like, I can't wait to record that. But I'm like, fuck, it was this one is, the last one isn't even out yet. So. Well, I think that's I
1: awesome. Know. It gives us something to look forward to for a very long time. So you guys have all your ducks in a row, it sounds like. You've got a pretty strong lineup that's stuck around for a while. You're, you're sounding better than ever. So I'm looking forward to seeing you guys out there on the road. Hopefully, if I get a chance to see you anytime soon, you'll have that fucking SP guitar done um and yeah, so we can so. see we can We're see trying. that we can see that one live so uh uh anything else that uh you want to pimp out before i let you get back to your day
0: um uh, i guess the only thing can think of is right now um that tribes of pazuzu that i did uh played some guitar on yeah you should check that out and the uh beast of revelation album which you did vocals on um that one's you know, it just came out probably about a month ago. And um the reaction to that has been really killer. I mean, it's it's kind of a total total death doom stuff. Um, but I've been getting a lot of um, compliments on the performance on that, which I'm really happy about. And I, the music's really, really great too. Um, so yeah, definitely check that out. And besides that,, um, you know, you can check our website, the incantation.com website. We have, um, you know, it's where we'll post all like the major uh, news, you know, about tour dates and stuff like that. And we also have a web store. So, you know, if you need a fix on any merch, uh, we have that and um, try to think. Yeah. And you can also check out, while this pandemic's on at least and probably even afterwards, you know, every once in a while I'll be doing another chat thing like that on, on my Facebook. I do, I do it on my, um, I have a John McEntee fan page. That I do it on because my personal page is maxed out and it just, it gets me a pain in the ass. Cause you know, <laughs> I, I don't want to like delete somebody to add somebody to it. Cause I delete someone, they get pissed off. So right. I I'd rather just, you know, if anyone wants to keep up on that, to go to the fan page for me or, InCamp fan page I haven't been doing The chats on the InCamp fan page I guess I could I just um, I, I guess I should <laughs> We'll <laughs> say that maybe, maybe I will Maybe I'll do that Once the album's out Or something There like you go that. We'll, just, we'll just
1: push you In that direction Give you a little nudge
0: Yeah So it's all good You know But thank you very much For the interview I appreciate it Oh that's no, really dude! Cool. This is
1: this has been awesome. Uh, thank you for being super generous with your time. I know we went way longer than I think we uh, had originally planned on, but there's just so much cool stuff that I think people love to hear about people that have been around in the industry for a while. So I appreciate you uh, taking the time to hang out with me here on Misery Point and uh, give us a little bit of your perspective on a on a scene that's constantly changing. So, uh, John McEntee thank you so much. I definitely appreciate it.
0: Cool. Thank you very much. Hell yeah.
1: Hell yeah. Like I said, OG awesomeness. Make sure you keep your ears peeled for that new album, hopefully coming sometime soon. And in the meantime, buy some killer incantation merch. And speaking of merch, you can also check out the Misery Point Radio merch store online and get your MPR geek on. And I'm getting ready to put some of the original merch on sale to make room for all the new stuff that's on its way soon. You can also just shoot me a message and I'll make a socially distanced delivery if you're local. And now... Let's close this out with my favorite track off 2017's Profane Nexus. This one is called Visceral Hexahedron.